Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 6. We will pick up this morning in verse 30, where we left off last Sunday as we continue working our way through this series. Mark chapter 6 this morning, verses 30 through verse 56, the end of Mark chapter 6, and a message entitled, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. There are two types of people sitting here this morning. Some of you have had the luxury, the enjoyment, the benefit, the self-satisfaction of visiting a Bucky's. If that's you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. The rest of you raise your hand who have never lived life. <laughs> Bucky's, some of you are thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. Bucky's is a gas station, but church, it's more than a gas station. It is a one stop shop for everything you did not know you needed in your life. There's gas, there's restrooms, there's a gift shop, there's barbecue sandwiches, there's beef jerky on an entire wall in the store, praise the Lord, there's fudge, there's beaver nuggets, there's Bucky's chips, there's sausage on a stick, Pastor Scott. A gas station that has, as we would think, everything that you could imagine. If you've never been there, it's Disneyland for gas stations. <laughs> Make your trip at some point. It is enough. As you think through that, all of us in life have to answer a question of what is enough. And maybe even more specifically, who is enough to sustain us through life? And this morning, I hope as we walk through these verses in Mark chapter 6, that we would together leave today saying, proclaiming, declaring, and believing that Jesus Christ is enough. As we prepare to do that this morning, I want to encourage you before we dive into the text to write down for us these verses and other chapters of God's Word that go along with the verses that we'll cover this morning. These parallel passages each week, I've given them to you in an effort to encourage you, to spur you along in your walk with the Lord, to read these passages and reflect on the truths that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through verse 36, Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, John chapter 6, verse 1 through 59, the parallel passages to our texts this morning. I want to read for us Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30 and going through verse 44, and then we'll continue to walk back through the text this morning as we always do. This is God's word. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. 
for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. I've given it away to you a couple of times already. It's this truth. Jesus is enough. Jesus Christ is enough enough. Remember that as we've been walking our way through Mark's gospel, Mark has a central aim in this gospel account. Mark wants his readers, wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the long-awaited Messiah who can save us from our sins. That is Mark's aim. That is the reason for which he wrote this account of Jesus' life and his ministry under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is the aim of the entire book. We've been looking as we've walked through this gospel, and we've seen the reality of who Jesus Christ is there in the early chapters. And then over the last number of weeks, we have dove in on some important situations that transpired, both Jesus teaching in parables and Jesus performing miracles in power, once again, pointing to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Which brings us to our text this morning. As we begin to walk through, we're going to see, once again, miracles performed in power. We're going to see Jesus feed the 5,000. We just read that. 
We're going to see Jesus walk on water, and then we're going to see Jesus having all kinds of people who were sick, who needed to be touched, who needed to be healed, brought to him, and he heals them there on the spot. As we've said, walking through Mark's gospel, he does not accidentally put things together. In fact, he often will stack stories back to back to back to emphasize the point that he's trying to make. And and here, he's helping us recognize and understand that Jesus Christ is enough. As we began in verse 30, I want you to write down this truth that we see beginning in verse 30 and going down through verse 44. It's this truth, in your deepest need, Jesus is enough. In your deepest need, in my deepest need, Jesus Christ is enough. We're going to see that play out here in this miracle. It's more than just Jesus feeding all of these people. Though that is vitally important to understand. We realize in verse 30 that the apostles have returned to Jesus. They have gone out and proclaimed a message of repentance. They had healed. They had cast out demons as Jesus had given them authority. Now they have come back to Jesus, and they've reported all that God has done through them. And Jesus says in the midst of that, in verse 31, it's time to retreat and to get away. Vance Havner said, if you don't come apart, you will eventually come apart. Come away by yourselves, Jesus says, to a desolate place and rest a while. Many were coming and going and says about the disciples, they did not even have time to eat. People were flooding to them. They were coming to them on the basis of what Jesus had done through them and his authority, and and they were swamped with people coming to them over and over and over again so that they could not even eat. And Jesus, in the midst of that, says, "Let's, let's separate ourselves from the crowd for a moment. Let's take a step back. Let's go to a desolate place. Let's rest a while. So that's exactly what they did in verse 32. They get into the boat and they head over the Sea of Galilee into the wilderness area so that they can rest. Here's the problem. The crowd saw them leave and they took off running to catch up with where they were going. So they recognized they were about to cross the Sea of Galilee to the wilderness area. There was a way to go around the Sea of Galilee by foot to get there. And so they take off by foot as the disciples are crossing the sea to when they arrive on the other side. It says in verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. What was the aim that they were trying to, to accomplish? It was to get away from the crowd to retreat, to rest, Jesus says, for a while. And yet the crowd is there waiting as soon as they land on the shore. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't want to people. 
You with me? Just don't want to deal with people? Just don't want to interact with people anymore? You have a sign at your house that says you don't have to go home, but you got to leave here? Jesus, though, the text says in verse 34, had compassion on them. The crowd is there, and Jesus sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. It grew late, in verse 35, his disciples came to him and said, we're in a desolate place. There's no McDonald's. You need to send these people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside, to the surrounding villages, and they can buy food from themselves. Jesus, you've preached a tad bit too long. You need to send them away. Notice that Jesus responds to his disciples in verse 37. I love this. You give them something to eat. Disciples have said, Jesus, we, we need to send them out. We need to move them along in their journey. They need to go buy food for themselves. Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. To which this was a wonderful opportunity for them to look at Jesus and to say to Jesus, there is no way we could do this, but we have seen you at work in power, and we're going to trust that whatever you want to accomplish in this moment, you can accomplish it. Should have been what they did, but they didn't. In fact, the text says that they had a financial conversation with Jesus. So Jesus, do you know how much money it would actually take to give all of these people who have gathered, some 5,000 men, not including women and children who have been there, to feed all of them, it would cost at least a year's wages of an average day laborer to feed them, 200 denarii. It would take all of that just so that they could have a little taste of bread. Jesus, it would cost too much money to accomplish that. You ever been in a situation where your only response was what you could think could happen in that moment in your own strength and your own power? Not counting at all the fact that God could work in a powerful way that you could not even imagine. That's where Jesus' disciples are in this moment. All they can see in front of them is the crowd. All they can think in their minds is, we don't have enough money to feed them. They've lost sight entirely that Jesus, the very Son of God, is standing in front of them. And Jesus, in verse 38, says... How many loaves do you have? Go and see. How much food do you have? What's interesting is that Jesus' disciples take off to try to find some food. I love this because I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life where you didn't actually work hard to find something out. You ever been there? I've told you before when my wife tells me something is somewhere and I go look for it and it's not there. I say, hey, it's not there. 
She says, did you look or did you Michael look? You with me? Because if you looked, you would find it. But what's funny is Jesus' disciples go out and they come back. And I can only imagine there was probably a lot more food out there. They were just tired of Jesus in this moment. They weren't interested in actually finding out how much food was out there. They go to one little boy and they take his food. The loaves and the fish, and they bring it to Jesus, and they say, this is all we have. This is it. A first century happy meal, two-piece fish and fries. That's it. Jesus, in that moment, commands them all to sit down in groups. They sit down by hundreds, by fifties, in verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They all ate, listen, and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. There were leftovers for Jesus' buffet. And then Mark says, those who ate were 5,000 men. To which we look at that and we recognize just how big of a miracle that is to take the little, and to feed 5,000 plus people with that, Jesus miraculously takes the loaves and the fish and is able to divide it and to feed all of those people. And there are leftovers there. Now, as you look at that, you think, man, that, that is incredible. But here's what you have to understand as you look a bit deeper. They are located in the wilderness. If you go back in Scripture to Exodus, you realize that in Exodus chapter 16, that God's people have left Egypt. They are wandering in where, church? The wilderness. And the Father promises to them that he will provide everything that they need to sustain life. He gives them manna from heaven, bread. When they grumble that it's not enough, he gives them quail to eat. He gives them water to drink from the rocks. He provides exactly what they need. Once again, we find people in a wilderness situation and Jesus providing them what they needed for life. But it doesn't stop there. In fact, John in his account of this story 
Fast forwards to the next day when Jesus has left the wilderness and the crowd, that the crowds followed him back across the Sea of Galilee and they come to him and Jesus says, the only reason that you're coming to me is that you ate food and you had your feel. You're looking at me as a meal ticket. And then Jesus says, what you don't recognize is that I am the bread of life. We see this in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This miracle is not primarily about Jesus just feeding these people physical food. It's about the reality that he is the bread of life. Salvation can only be found in him. This is simply a glimpse of the reality of that, which reminds us this morning, Jesus is enough. In your deepest need as a human being, as a result of not only being born in sin, but choosing to sin. Sin separates you and I from God, and the only hope that we have is someone who can take care of that for us. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can do that. Jesus says about himself that he is the bread of life. It reminds us as we read through this that there is more going on to the story than simply him meeting their physical need. He's trying to help them understand that he is the only one who can also meet their spiritual need as well. This morning as you came in, you may not yet be a follower of Jesus. I want you to hear this morning the truth that Jesus is enough for you. You cannot save yourself. You cannot do enough good works to earn the favor of God. You are desperately in need of a Savior. You are desperately in need of Jesus Christ this morning. We would love nothing more than to help you take that step of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, but maybe you've already done that. Can I remind you this morning, regardless of what need you have come in here with today, and I have no doubt, we are a desperately needy people. We are in need of God's grace every single day. We are in need of his mercy every single day. I don't know what that need looks like in your life, but can I remind you, follower of Jesus this morning, Jesus is enough. In your deepest need, Jesus is enough. Look with me in verse 45. Immediately, the text says, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. 
And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. I want you to write down this second truth. In your darkest moment, Jesus is enough. Not only in your deepest need is Jesus enough, but in your darkest moment, Jesus is also enough. It's interesting that on the back end of feeding the crowd, Jesus sends his disciples away. And I think this is in an effort to, to recognize that the crowd was pretty excited about what Jesus had just done. And there was talk within the crowd about this guy we need to set up as our ruler. And Jesus says, we'll have none of that. Let me get the disciples out of the way. Let me dismiss the crowd and send them on their way. That's exactly what Jesus does. The disciples head out on the boat back on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, it says, goes up on the mountain to pray. And as the evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. I love this in verse 48. He saw that they were making headway painfully. Jesus is just watching them. He's like, them boys ain't going to make it. They're struggling. The wind is blowing in such a way that they cannot get across to the other side. So what does Jesus do? Jesus walks on the water to cross to the other side. And the text says, he meant to pass by them. And this is not a meant like he meant to do it and he just couldn't do it. This, this is an important phrase as we see it here in Mark's gospel. He doesn't use that phrase by accident. In fact, what we realize is that it harkens back to Exodus chapter 33. Situation where Moses is speaking to the Lord in Exodus chapter 33 and he says to God, God, show me your glory. God, I want to see you in all your fullness, in all your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord responds in verse 19 of Exodus chapter 33. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness, listen to this, to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said to Moses, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Once again, to understand the 
miracle as it unfolds. We have to understand what's going on in the Old Testament as well. We have to understand Exodus chapter 33 and Moses as he calls to the Lord and says, show me your glory. And the Lord says, you can't see it. But I will cause it to pass by. I'll give you a glimpse of the back end of my glory. Because you cannot see me face to face and live. And here Jesus, walking across the Sea of Galilee, meant to pass by them. But they see him walking on the sea. They thought it was a ghost. They cried out. They saw him and were terrified. Notice what happens. Immediately he spoke to them. And he said, to them, take heart, it is I. Which when you look at what the Lord says to Moses, not only does his goodness pass in front of him, but in Exodus 33, he says to Moses, and I will proclaim my name to you. My name is the Lord, I am. And as Jesus is passing by his disciples, he declares to them in that moment, I am. He is the son of God. What we see happen is he immediately gets in the boat and the wind ceases and they were utterly astounded. They had no idea. They lost sight. Somehow, in the midst of all that had transpired, the text says, Mark gives us this insight, they did not understand about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. They did not see Jesus for who he was. They didn't recognize and understand what this miracle pointed to, the reality that he is the bread of life. And in this moment, as he means to pass them by and he's declaring to them who he is, they're utterly astounded. It was a dark moment for his disciples. Maybe you've come in today and for you, it's a dark moment for you. Maybe you feel like them as they're rowing the boat in the sea and the wind is against them and you don't feel like you're making any progress and you just don't know what to do. Can I simply point you to this reality that in your darkest moment, Jesus is enough. As difficult and hard as it may be, as challenging as a follower of Jesus, you may find yourselves walking through a difficult season, a struggle, a moment where it seems dark. Can I just remind you this morning of the reality of who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, the Savior of your soul? who declares to you this morning, I am. Do not be afraid. Mark doesn't stop. In fact, as we look at verse 53, walking through verse 56, 
Once again, on the back end of both of these miracles on display, Mark summarizes what's going on on the back end of this in verse 53 and going down through verse 56. He says, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment And as many as touched it were made well. I want you to see this third truth. In your most desperate situation, Jesus is enough. The brokenness of this world is on display as we see what's going on in these verses. All of the sick are being brought to Jesus. He is their only hope. So we think about this broken world in which we live. We're reminded of this day in and day out. Just this past week, I left after the third service, and I knew about halfway through the third service, my voice was shot. It was gone. I came in on Monday morning, Pastor Scott can tell you, Pastor Cody, you can, I could not talk. There was nothing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Jenny one day looked at me and she said, there's something wrong with you. I said, you knew that 19 years ago, right? You know, it's one of those situations that we simply realize day in and day out, our bodies are broken. They're desperate moments, desperate situations for all of us that we find ourselves in desperate need. And in those moments, as we see in the text here, as we're reminded personally for ourselves, Jesus Christ is enough. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, John the Baptist John that we saw was beheaded last week. This is prior to that as John is sitting in prison as a result of Herod throwing him in. He's wondering if Jesus truly is the Messiah. It says, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Listen, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Mark reminds us In these verses, that the kingdom of God is breaking in to this broken world. That Jesus is in these moments beginning to set all things right. And our great hope is that one day it all will be set right upon his return. We see a glimpse of that in this moment. 
And it reminds us that Jesus is enough. In our most desperate situation, He is enough. I want to ask you if you would bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up to lead us in this time of invitation, maybe for you this morning, you are not yet a follower of Jesus. And you, this morning, find yourself in desperate need. Desperate need for hope, desperate need for forgiveness. And I want to remind you that Jesus is enough. He is the only one who can save you from your sin. He is the only one who can give you what you desperately need. Would you respond by faith, trusting in him alone for your salvation this morning? As we sing in just a moment, our pastors will be down front. I just simply encourage you to walk down and grab one of our hands and say, I need Jesus as my Savior. We'd love to help you take that step this morning. Maybe you're here as a follower of Jesus, but you simply find yourself this morning in need. In a dark moment, in a desperate situation. Maybe it feels to you like life is crashing in around you. You're struggling. You're verging on the point of hopelessness. I just want to remind you, Jesus is enough. In this time of response, I want to encourage you, maybe if that's where you are this morning, just to take some moments on your knees before the Lord at this altar, spend some time in prayer, trusting, confessing, believing that Jesus Christ is enough in this moment. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you for this opportunity we have to respond. God, help us see, trust, believe that Jesus is enough. We ask that in his name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. Our altar is open. If this is an opportunity for you to spend some time in prayer before the Lord, I invite you to come, but you respond this morning.